We're the West Slot Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskaspo. Well, guys, we've been off for a, a little bit. A lot <laughs> I was, going on and on. I, w- I was going to say, about a week ago, my wife and I finally watched Hamilton for the first time. And if you've seen Hamilton, you'll get the reference. And if you don't, you won't. But kind of like, been off for a couple weeks. What did I miss? What did <laughs> I miss? <laughs> yeah, so chaps, my friends, um, we got a lot to catch up with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little shout out for uh for fan of the podcast there yeah absolutely um so we got some basketball to talk about we got a lot of football to talk about we are getting awful close you know as we record here in the first week in june our summer previews are a lot closer than i think uh we are at least i know i'm mentally prepared for so uh Let's talk a little basketball. I mean, we, there was some big news and yeah, it happened, uh, a few, uh, maybe a week or so ago, but, uh, the Jordan Lathan situation, we haven't had a chance to chime in on that. Um, big loss for the cats. I mean, Lathan was really kind of, uh, tabbed as the heir apparent to Brian McIntosh. Um, you know, he, for, and we're, I guess we're not going to know the reasons for what happened. You know, we're, Indications are this was not academic related. Um, you know, it sounds like, you know, Northwestern revoked his admission. He's gonna, he's looking for somewhere else. Lathan has nothing but positive things to say, at least publicly, about the cats. Um, we're not saying anything negative about Lathan, so. It's just, it's just, all, right, it's gonna be a mystery forever. And it's, 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 it's always, I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, all your listeners, all of our listeners, I'm sure you've been sitting at home the past couple weeks feeling exactly the same as we do. We're not going to know. It's going to be an itch that we just can't scratch. Um, and Sort of like uh, why Venrick left. Right, exactly. I mean, the guy's 6'4", could handle like crazy and jump out of the gym. The minute he, we had revoked his emissions, he got... A ton of offers from everybody else. I mean, people are just lining up to try to grab him now. Um, and I mean, we've just got to turn the page and move on, but it's rough. I was saying to you guys and I, it all, guys, you came back at me. I almost feel like I'm like a, like a voodoo doll or something like that. But I was the two most, the two Northwestern basketball recruits all time that I've been most excited for are Johnny Vassar and Jordan Lathan. <laughs> and it has not panned out well. So. Um, it's, I mean, you know, from a purely basketball standpoint, he was electric to watch, but, uh, we'll have to uh, turn the page and, and again, focus, focus on one hand on this great recruiting class that we still have coming in. It's still an amazing class, but, uh, we well, are, well, and, well, and to that point, filling Lathan's spot is Ryan Greer, right. um, straight out of Gill, New Hampshire. Uh, uh, yeah. Asterisk. <laughs> I, if, you've been lis- if you've been listening if you've been listening to this pod long enough you know that i a new hampshire resident can tell you when a guy's from new hampshire and when he's air quotes from new hampshire and that's right uh, but but if you've looked at his picture on his recruiting site this kid is like a 17 year old tim doyle look-alike 
and that's enough for me. I'm in. I'm all in. Yeah. <laughs> although it, it bears mentioning again. I mean, it's it is it's wild when you add it all up, right? I mean, okay. So Greer is. I mean, you really. I mean, obviously, right? I mean, you want to just be grape stomping lady in the sour grapes and immediately transition <laughs> to like to like we couldn't get Jordan Lathan. This is the silver medal. This kid is not Jordan Lathan, etc. Um, and and you know we've all wallowed in that over the last week or so, at least a little bit. The reality, though, is Greer is a guy who had a lot of mid-major offers, starting from the Ivies and working their way up. Build-wise, he's very similar to Lathan. Um, athleticism, not similar to Lathan. He's very comfortable with the ball in his hands. It is possible, and you know, several people have postulated this, that over the course of the next year, this guy was going to pick up more interest and more offers, which as a guy who's transferred to a prep school, you know, to try to gain that visibility, that's true. That definitely could happen. He's a very steady ball handler. But, and this is the big but, right? Here's a guy who he's, he's classified up a year. So as Scuzz alluded to, he's 17. And he's going to be playing basketball for Northwestern next year. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you guys about that. Like, you know, basically, Lathan goes and, you know, we, we go to him and say, hey, if you take one summer school class or something, you'll be able to come next year and we want you. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he already had an offer. And I, you know, obviously you have to fulfill certain requirements to be able to, to, to do that. But yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. So, the, and, and that was the thing, right? Because my, my, my red flags, and again, we've circled around this before, but it's not like Collins has the squeaky cleanest of resumes since huh. he came in. And my first thought was, I immediately went to see when we offered him. Because I was like, did we go to this kid and be like, you can have a scholarship, but you got to recommit and you got to come this year. But we didn't. That That didn't happen. He had an offer out to us, but they did go to him and they were like, look. We need you now. If you can make it happen, we'd love to have you, which is great. But what it means is a relatively young guy is coming in, and this is the all-caps thing. He's going to have to play serious minutes. Uh, we are so thin at point guard. And honestly, um, Collins is really going to be tested next year because I think you're going to see a lot of guys um, – who are gonna who are gonna have to play out of position and and you know work as ball handlers or we may work at times without a true one um, as this all tries to come together. I mean it's it's a big deal uh, having certain transfers not come through and having Lathan who would you know who talent wise had the ability to bear that load um, not come in is a big deal and it's gonna be musical chairs and Greer a young guy. Um, he's going to be part of that. And I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, he's a legit college basketball player and, and a one with good size, but I mean, he's going to get thrown into the fire. We don't have the luxury of, of baby steps. I'll be really interested to see how creative Collins gets. I don't think that that's really Collins' MO as a coach, but, and maybe this is because I'm fresh off and please do not take that I'm comparing any of Northwestern's players to LeBron James, but watching the way Cleveland operates their offense where LeBron is basically playing point guard, you know, I I think it would be great if Collins experimented and 
like you like Law is a fantastic ball handler. Um, and Miller Cop, who's exactly, also young, but yes. that, that's the really interesting one yes. to me. Like I remember when he got recruited, we were all, I my first thought was, oh, cool, another point guard, and then everybody was talking about him playing wing. I just think it would behoove the the program to not force feed a freshman into that role or put all that pressure on Jordan Ash, who's who's never really been a starter. Um, Anthony Gaines is another one that I think makes sense to, to toy with a little bit. Like we did that towards the end of last year when, when McIntosh was injured. So I just hope that they get creative um, and take advantage of some of the, uh, the matchups in the, in the preseason to think about non-traditional uh, approaches to this problem. One of the upshots, right, is Ryan Greer, I think um, our friend of the pod, Louis Vacare, interviewed him after he signed. And apparently he's wanted to play basketball for Northwestern for years. Um, we're, we've been really high on his list. Um, and e- even though I think he's, what, originally from Georgia. And yeah, he was, he was the number six player in Georgia, ranked. And right. Went, to, went up to and New then, Hampshire. And then, right, and then went prep. And yet he's super high on Northwestern. So, I mean, this is a guy who he really wants to play for the school. You know, he really wants to come in. You can watch him on, on tape. Um, again, not the most athletic guy, but I mean, that's not to shade him. I just mean, he's not jumping out of the gym. He's got a great jump shot and he's really comfortable with the ball in his hands. He's an attacking guard. He's not like a, I don't know, like a Sobo or something like that, you know, like just trying to field general out uh, floor general out there. He's a get to the rim type guy. So, um, you know, he, he may come in with an aggressive mentality and be like, Hey, I don't care. This is my job and I'm going to win it right now. I mean, we've B Mac was running the show by the end of his freshman year. We've seen it happen. B Mac was running the show even earlier. I mean, right. He he really stepped right in. So, I mean, the, the, uh, the opportunity is there. If just someone needs to go out and grab it. Well, isn't, isn't the, I mean, isn't there a reasonable comparison to BMAC? Maybe not in terms of, like, ceiling and pedigree. Um, I mean, like, BMAC's handles were, were really, really good, but I was never, like, super impressed with his athleticism. I mean, his shot was always a little weird. Um, his his speed to the hoop and his ability to drive was, was spectacular. I'd be really surprised if, if Greer had that in his toolkit to the same degree, but McIntosh wasn't an athletic point guard either. Right. And again, we'll know kind of when we see it, and I know, right... I think BMAC late in the process, and, and again, this goes to the point we were talking about before, BMAC late in the process picked up a lot of real interest, uh, not just from Northwestern, but from other schools, and stayed true to the Cats. But he was a guy who was originally committed to Indiana State, and then I think realized, along with everybody else, that he was a better basketball player than that. So, I mean, as things currently stand, I mean, Greer's second best offer after us is DePaul, and then it's kind of a big drop from there. So... But again, maybe he's he's the kind of guy who, had he stayed in in college another year, um, you know, the offers would have come in. So maybe it's a steal, just like McIntosh. So turning our attention to football, as we're really going to be turning our attention to do football. We, do we have anything to talk about in football? I don't know. <laughs> uh, a few things. Um, th- this is a lot of fun. Uh, just on Tuesday, um, you know, for anyone living in Chicago – uh, in the city who has kids and are around on Tuesdays at 10 o'clock in the morning, I highly recommend going out to Wrigley Field where they have a free Wiggle Worms concert. Um, put on by the Old Town School of Folk Music. It's a ton of fun. 
Um, oh, the I, old tone school of folk music is the best. It's it's amazing. So I, I took my daughter there for the first time uh, this past Tuesday, knowing that just inside the stadium at the very same time was the Northwestern press conference going on, announcing officially the uh, Northwestern Wisconsin football game at Wrigley Field uh, November 7th of 2020. What was really cool is, you know, after Wiggle Worms was done, uh, we started walking back to our car, and I ran into Crane Kenny, uh, the uh, pre- one of the presidents, uh, president, I guess, of the business operations for the Cubs, ran into Jim Phillips, um, saw Dave Bennett. You know, everyone coming out of the press conference was coming out the same way I was going out. I, of course, was wearing all Northwestern gear. I had my daughter in all Cubs gear. And, you know, got a chance to, to schmooze a little bit. And, yeah, everyone's very, very excited, uh, about this. Um, I, I, I agree. I am excited as well. I, I think this is really, really cool, especially now with the re, uh, rehabs done at the stadium. You'll actually be able to put the entire field, um, be able to play both ways. It's not going to fix the, the issues with the seating out in the bleachers. I mean, I don't know that there is, there is a fix to that, but, um, that's, I mean, that's, that's football at a baseball stadium, right? Yeah, exactly. And John, you were, you were at the game at uh, Yankee stadium when, uh, when we played Boston, uh, when we played Pitt there. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was great. And I was at Wrigley too. I mean, Wrigley was great. I just think it's so funny in hindsight that people are, poo-pooing Wrigley like it wasn't amazing in the moment. It was cold as butt. It was it was cold as balls. They only went in one direction. Asterisk, because we had a pick six. Um, (laughs) But the but I mean that whereupon uh, and I forget who it was, was it Hunter Bates? Brad, I think it was bad Brad Phillips, I want to say. Brad Phillips, like, did a leap into the padding. Yeah. Oh, it was – I mean, we got to see Venrick's first great punt return of his career happen there. Um, and Burning, there King, so much... Burning King Culture's red shirt, I believe. Right. There when was so when much... the Evan Watkins experience didn't really go as oh, planned. Jesus. Evan exactly. Watkins experience. It, I mean, it, it was – and it was so cold, and it was – and, I mean, it was magic. The opening pomp and circumstance and the fireworks and I think Jim Cornelison and, was there. And that's, and that's all that happened. That yeah, was right. It. That's right. And who can remember the result? <laughs> but it was, but, uh, I mean, it, it, it was awesome. And, uh, um, allow, well, I'll wait. No, go ahead. Allow me to, pro- to, pro- to provide a contrarian. Please do. Opinion. Please do. Oh. Um, I don't disagree with, like, I, I, we were all so excited about the game. We knew the sight lines were going to be crap. Like that, that, that is what it is. You do this for the novelty to connect with the fans. Um, we completely, uh, outsold Illinois, um, from a fan perspective. Like it was, it felt like a Northwestern home game. The quarterback situation was bad luck. Right. And we lost that game and it was like horrible, horrible memories of, of the game itself. Um, Drinking drinking Guinness at a at a at a Northwestern football game was very enjoyable. I'm oh yes, um, oh yes. But where my contrarian opinion comes in is really around: do did we need to do this again? Um, I think we all knew this was coming. Like not, and I'm not talking about like last week when when NU was uh, was kind of pitching it. Like we all knew that they were going to go back to Wrigley someday. I don't. I, I'm not. 
I'm not upset. Like I saw some people on Twitter that are really like, this is the stupidest thing. That was the worst game, rah, 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 rah. Um, which is, you know, whatever. I, I think this, this affords um, a different experience for NU fans. It taps into a different market of NU fans. Ones that uh, maybe don't make it up to Evanston every Saturday or, or don't want to make it up to Evanston every Saturday. I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I think it's very silly that they did renderings of the field, given that we have played there before. Um, I know that they've changed some stuff with the third baseline, but come on renderings. Really? Um, the real problem I have is that we signed up to play the goddamn Badgers. What were we thinking? Yeah, that may not go well, but Hey, you don't know. I mean, it's, I like the, I mean, it's like, I'm immediately super concerned about, uh, tickets and fan disparity. Um, I'm, terrified of them just like running roughshod over us um and that's and and most of all like that is a team where playing them in ryan field has been good for us uh if like you know iowa or minnesota or i don't know there's so many other options where you kind of ensure that it's the northwestern fan base that that is excited about this game and, and maybe you needed to make it more of a marquee matchup because you lost some of the novelty factor from the first time around. But my first thought is like terror and impending doom and just being overwhelmed by Bucky fans. Well, so, I mean, the first time around was you know, in 2010. So it's been a while. I think that, you know, by scheduling Wisconsin, you've got a marquee game that is pretty much guaranteed. You're playing at Wrigley Field. You're going to get big time national attention. I mean, game day showed up last time. Yeah, so, oh, for Northwestern was, Illinois. I was there. Yeah. No, and so here's one of the other things. Like, right on one hand, it's not – it's Wisconsin. But aside from Notre Dame, who we're not going to host Notre Dame and then give them <laughs> Wrigley Field on no, top of no, that. Notre Dame and Ohio State would be the only two worst decisions we right. could have made. Well, <laughs> an opponent was, maybe well, Michigan. Maybe well, Michigan. Wisconsin – I mean, Wisconsin makes geographic sense, right? And I say this because – the the one thing I like about this is to have it do Illinois, to have it be Illinois again would be to send the message that Illinois was part of this too and screw very you fair. Illinois you're not part of this. Yep, very this fair is, point. This is not your show. Stay down in the corn. You're not a part of this city. Um, and I so I like that. Um, right. Obviously, it's like you know you've having wisconsin but hey you never know we might get the w i mean it's the lakefront facility and this is a hell of a one two pr punch to be unleashing in the spring well removed from uh football season so from an optics perspective it's pretty awesome Um, i i think another thing to pay attention to to just kind of look at is what was the schedule in 2020 because wrigley field is not available until, you know, the end of October. Yeah, the Cubs may not be playing there, but you have to, I mean, you can't bank on, you know, getting into the baseball stadium before, you know, the end of October. You have a very good point. Um, so November 7th against Wisconsin, we have a, a TBA, like potential non-conference opponent the next weekend. Uh, and then Illinois home game the week after thanksgiving so from that standpoint that's a really that's a really strong point sammy um so all of us who remember what it was like eight years ago will know to bring as many layers as possible this time because it was so cold 
so, you know, that that's one big part of the news. Um, you've got a bunch of big recruiting news coming in. Um, oh boy. Yes, we do. Uh, where, where, where should, we, where do we go first? Uh, Duke Olges, um, Corian Azima. That's where I was. Bryce Kurtz. I mean, they're, they're all big. Jason Gold. These are all big recruits. Let's, let's start with the Texas, uh, the Texas pattern. Yes. Uh, so first of all, um, let's start with Corey and Azima. First of all, that's a great name. <laughs> we've, we've had some great names. Uh, we've had some great names in the, in the, the defensive backfield. Corey and Azima is a great name. This guy is like a sawed off shotgun of a safety. He's like sub six foot, um, awesome athlete, awesome hitter. Here's the thing though. He had a ton of offers, including Nebraska, Oklahoma State, etc. But, and if you remember from the huge recruiting piece we put up, which centered around four-star recruits um, several months back, he is a guy who had a Stanford offer, and he's from Texas, and he chose Northwestern instead of Stanford. That's a big deal. That doesn't happen. So if you're looking for positive indicators related to the lakefront facility, I can't draw a direct correlation, but I'm telling you, this has not happened historically. Um, so this guy is a guy who is an awesome hitter. He will follow in the proud tradition of Northwestern safeties, and we beat Stanford for a kid from Texas. Well, and there's there's a pattern here. So you got Corey Nazima. We picked up Jason Gold uh, a little bit earlier in May, um, defensive lineman. Uh, we've, you know, we've been talking about about the the recruiting in Texas for a while now. Like we've been picking up really good players there. Um, there are some guys on uh, on Twitter who have been talking. Uh, I think it's I think it was after the Corey and Azima pick. Um, this guy who is a, uh, a high school uh, calls himself a high school football junkie in Texas, but um, just talked about how Northwestern is basically coming into Texas and stealing players. Because there are, John, you've talked about this. There are so many players in Texas. The schools down there cannot possibly recruit all of them. And of course, like you know, Nebraska, Oklahoma, like everybody is in is trying to get in Texas and trying to recruit. Um, but we seem to be a, we seem to have developed a really strong pipeline, especially in the Houston area, uh, and that's just really really exciting. And gold. I mean, we beat Virginia Tech for gold. We beat TCU, Oklahoma State. I mean, again. This kid is leapfrogging a lot of big programs to come all the way up to to Northwestern. It's a big deal, yeah. Just like Scuzz said, um, it's these are very positive indicators. And then that brings us to Bryce Kurtz. Ooh, Nelly. This uh, the east the easiest way to say it is Jeremy Ebert. That's who this kid is. He's if you're looking for a comparison, he's got Jeremy Ebert written all over him. So the one, the one thing is Jeremy Ebert never played outside. Um, and I don't recall if he played outside in high school, if he was fast enough for that. I just, I remember his speed, like him being deceptively fast at NU and I'll never, like, I'll never forget that 80 yard touchdown he had against uh, Nebraska just on a simple slant pattern that he just popped between the safeties and took off. Um, but this kid, this kid has crazy wheels uh on uh on film and and the route oh, that is yes. the mo- the route that is the most impressive um and it's i don't know what i don't know exactly what this route is is called but it's essentially when the when the receiver runs what's effectively like a wheel route 
Um, they just they just run a deep post uh, going outside the cornerback, and the timing of the route is predicated on this receiver is fast enough to get you know a yard of separation so that the ball can be placed where the corner can't get it and the receiver can catch it in stride. And this dude has a ton of those catches uh, on his highlight reel. It's spectacular. Um, another another nice sign is that there's a number of times where he has to slow up uh, for the ball, which um, which tells me that. He's the talent, not the QB on his squad, and um, or or at least not now. We'll yeah, because <laughs> that. <laughs> that's the other big thing about Kurtz. Now he's only six; he's only five eleven, uh, six foot, depending on where you look. So that's not great for an outside receiver. But the speed that he has, um, he's—I I think I texted you guys—he's the fastest guy, certainly that we've had at wideout since Ebert. Um, I'm not including Venrick or, or Vault because they were more. Um, more running backs, and I'm not I'm not including Miles Schuler either, either because he was more of a of a return man masquerading as a wide receiver. And and uh, Kurtz is this is like it's not just football speed. He's a big time Indiana track guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he. This is he's a legit burner. Uh, you know. Plus we we got him. He had a Duke, a Notre Dame, Michigan State, <laughs> Purdue, Indiana offers. I like how you led with Duke and then threw Notre Dame in there. Like, yeah, Duke, <laughs> Notre Dame, but Michigan State, yeah, Cincinnati, yeah, uh, uh, just say Yale, Notre Dame, and Kentucky. Uh, well, no. well, most most interestingly, his and this is this is some this is some uh, message board level um, analysis here. But get your tinfoil his, hats, folks. Yeah, tinfoil hats, everybody. His his final three, Kurtz's final three, were Duke, Purdue, and Northwestern. That's the same final three that uh, Clemson transfer QB Hunter Johnson, who played with Kurtz at the same high school, uh, had his final three as. So if you're reading the tea leaves and thinking that these guys want to play together, um, that maybe uh, puts you know a little bit of, of weight in the Northwestern camp for, for Hunter Jan- Johnson's transfer status. And remember, Hunter Johnson's brother was a walk-on for Northwestern. These are, it's, there's a lot of, the the Jordan Latham thing doused a lot of cold water on what has been a pretty scintillating Northwestern recruiting stretch. Um, these guys are all really good players who a lot of people wanted, who will be impact players for Northwestern. Um, it's, hey, it's exciting stuff. Have we talked about, um the article that went up about uh, I, I can't remember who wrote it. It was one of the big time, one of the national college football writers, but um, Oh yeah. Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel. Yeah. Basically they came and saw Northwestern's football campus was basically like, uh, this is better than, than Oregon and Alabama. I mean, Northwestern basically just sprinted past everybody in terms of their facilities. We've never even been in the same stratosphere as the rest of college football when it comes to facilities. Never, never. Here's So here's a point of reference, right? Because um, as as great as all these guys that we've signed recently are, there's so much churning in the recruiting waters right now relative to Northwestern football. Not just Hunter Johnson, not just Jarrell Brock, the potential Justin Jackson 2.0. Um, there, there are so many other guys who Northwestern's offering – We've seen, if you've been following Northwestern recruiting the past couple of weeks, Northwestern has offered a couple out-of-region Southern four-star guys late, 
Now, if you've been following, again, circling back to that recruiting piece we put up, Southern four-star guys tend to be a kiss of death historically recruiting for Northwestern. We've just never gotten those guys. We're testing the waters, right? You're going into guys and being like, I see you've got several other offers, big-time Southern recruit. Consider Northwestern. Offer us to pay for an official visit for you to come up and stand in the glory of the lakefront facility and see if that does anything for you. Um, there's a really interesting case with a guy named Nick Jackson right now. The easiest way to describe Nick Jackson is Nick Jackson is Anthony Walker if he'd been properly rated coming out of high school. Nick Jackson is a high three-star, border, borderline four-star linebacker from Atlanta who plays linebacker, tailback, and slot receiver. He's a burner who can hit. And he, kind of like Scuzz talked about with Texas, right? He doesn't have the Georgia and Clemson offers because those guys are throwing out five-star, four-star, high four-star linebackers, right? Scholarship offers. Um, But he's got a ton of other offers. Nebraska, North Carolina State, Minnesota, uh, Iowa, Colorado, and many more. Um, he came up for his official visit and as far as we can tell, and Sam, you made the good point on this because it's, it seems to be, he's paying to come back. Uh, his family is paying for him to come back and take another look because he's super stoked. And I just get the feeling right now that a Northwestern campus visit, that word is circulating like, Oh, have you, have you guys, have you been up there? I've been up there. I'm going back. Um, to just be like, it's, we have this thing up there right now that people want to see. And you've got a guy like this who there's a lot of competition for him, uh, for this kid out of Atlanta. And again, think of him as a properly rated Anthony Walker. He is a sideline to sideline burner hitter linebacker who a lot of people want. And he's taking a second trip from Atlanta all the way up to Northwestern because he likes what he sees. And those are the kind of indicators we're looking for. I'll just make one other comment about that FML piece, um, and then we can we could probably move on. But uh, let's all remember that he went to Syracuse. This is not this is not a journalist uh, who who went to school at Northwestern who is desperate for you know uh, the cats to emerge from from whatever uh, horror show there was in the seventies and eighties. So um, a pretty a, a pretty reasonable take and, and when we look at all the circumstantial evidence that that we've just talked to with these different players and the, and the bets that the coaching staff is making like oh boy it, it feels uh it feels like a momentous shift um we are burying the lead when it comes to uh to recruiting here um and that's the news of jake collins <laughs> let's not forget jake collins <laughs> yeah <laughs> can't forget the special teams hey we needed a punter it's so. true uh, so Jake Collins, um, is a grad transfer coming from Western Kentucky. Uh, he was, um, honorable mention, now what, what conference USA or whatever Western Kentucky's in. Um, right. yeah, conference USA. And, you know, he's someone who's able to come in and, and punt right away. You know, it's only one year, but, uh, you know, we, we talked about as we were doing like our way too early previews. That, uh, you know, we were very unclear about who was going to be punting for us, uh, especially after, you know, four years of Nicewander. Um, having Collins come in at least solidifies it for this upcoming season. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, it's like 
you, it's easy to forget about these things, but I mean, Nicewander had a couple of huge punts for us last year. I mean, there's a reason he was invited to an NFL camp. I mean, he had a couple big time punts and, uh, it's, it matters. And, and, you know, special teams is one of those things where like the punts fly through the air exactly the same in Conference USA as they do in the Big Ten. So, um, hopefully that, that, that's a nice plug and play situation, which is, which will be a good stopgap for us. Any other football news we're uh, forgetting here? Yeah, the one other thing is uh, a little bit of scheduling. I mean, it's it's kind of funny because it, it's almost like Northwestern is is like Hollywood being like, let's take the final episode of our like big series, you know, like our our Harry Potter finale, and we'll just split it into two parts. So we've gotten all the dates and times for like the first half of the schedule, um, not the not the half that has Wisconsin and Notre Dame, but. Still, um, we have, and also, time TBD on the Michigan game. So, we've gotten a lot of, a lot of news, just not the news that's most important, but still, um, times for the, the first half of the season. So we, we already knew Purdue was going to be a night game on Thursday night. Um, a lot of 11 a.m. games. We're playing Duke, uh, on September 8th at 11 a.m., Michigan State on October 6th at 11 a.m., um, Nebraska homecoming October 13th at 11 a.m. Rutgers the 20th at 11 a.m. Um, and we've got Akron the 15th is a night game, um, and and that Michigan time is still TBD. And so, like I said, the the second half, the the meatiest half of the schedule, um, still uh, still we have we have yet to know. So everyone should uh, get their uh, breakfast tailgate recipes going. Um, you know, figure <laughs> right. out, figure out, you know, different sauces for eggs. Um, hollandaise is, is a lovely one for, uh, for a morning tailgate. Um, dip, uh, dip your sausage in hollandaise sauce. Ooh, that is decadent. I prefer syrup, but. <laughs> sure, you could do that too. Not as decadent. In any case, um, do you have anything else to talk about, or is it time to continue our search for the Swoley Grail? <clears throat> for my final thought, one little chaser um, on football, uh, this time a former Northwestern player. Um, we had mentioned post-draft all of the, the cats who signed as free agents. Um, JJ was the only one who drafted, but a lot of guys quickly, you know, inked contracts on teams. And now we can add another guy to that list because Garrett Dickerson signed with the Giants. Um, and again, you know, like so many of these guys, it's still a long shot for him to make a final roster. But um, this came out of, of his performance in their rookie minicamp. Um, and he he participated in that camp and they liked what they saw. And um, they've signed him. So again, I mean, this is all, you know, he's going to make some probably little, little, um, bonus. And then the rest, of course, just like it was with Austin Carr, or anybody is contingent on him making the roster, but still, um, you're talking about a guy who went into rookie camp and made a positive impression with the team where they had him come back. So that's great. Um, and again, you hope that, you know, he positions himself to, to look who's someone who's versatile, um, they mention him that he's a real H back type with, with potential as a short range target. And at the very least, you hope, Hey, maybe a guy like this shows the Giants a couple different looks and that makes him a valuable practice squad guy. I mean, Afadi Adenabo showed there's a lot of money to be made in practice squads. Afadi made himself six figures last season as a practice squad player. So, 
um, if uh, if it's doable, that's great. So so congrats to Garrett, and here's hoping that uh, he continues to make an impression with the Giants. So for my final thought, um, with the World Cup coming up, I'll talk just a little bit of local soccer, and that is the exciting news that FC Cincinnati has been yeah. promoted to MLS. All right. They're going to be a professional franchise. Well, I guess a tier one professional franchise in the U.S. It's very exciting. Uh, they've been outdrawing a bunch of MS- MLS teams for a while. They are they are the hot ticket in town now. I mean, the Reds are historically awful, and the Bengals are the Bengals. So I don't know that it's hard to be the top ticket in town, but um, they're doing it, and uh, they're building their stadium in the least bad of the three places that they picked. It's still going to be very accessible by the uh, – the kids, as they say here in Cincinnati, um, the hipsters, etc. So that'll be good. Um, the the other two locations they had proposed would have been one of them would have been probably all right. The other would have been uh, really really bad, I think. So so that's good and exciting, and it means that uh, MLS soccer is officially coming to to, uh, to my home. I I guess it is my hometown now, the town I live in. I don't know that I, I don't know that Chicago is not my hometown anymore, but anyways. Um, that's exciting and, and, and exciting for Cincinnati and exciting to see what that franchise can do with uh, the money that's going to come in along with that promotion. Yeah, de- definitely yeah, what, very cool. Yeah, what kind of unprotected picks do they get in the supplemental expansion draft? You know what I mean? You're going to get that Gary, that Gary Bettman sweetheart deal? <laughs> I don't know. I want them to go get uh, – maybe they can borrow George McPhee for a few months. <laughs> Zlatan Ibrahimovic, is he unprotected? There you go. Go get him. <laughs> Uh, for my final thought, I want to um, give a quick shout-out to uh, Northwestern Men's Golf, uh, who in the NCAA tournament after the first round uh, was leading the you know, leading the tournament. Um, unfortunately, didn't hold up. Uh, after the third round, they, they missed the cut by a couple strokes. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, didn't uh, play the last couple days, but uh, wonderful performance. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Ryan Lumsden, uh, men's golfer, who qualified for the U.S. Open as an amateur. So you know, that's very, very cool. We got a, a cat in the U.S. Open. I'm not sure. I, I know Luke Donald's been hurt. Uh, I'm not sure if he's back playing yet. But uh, one way or the other, we got a, a Northwestern uh, golfer play, uh, playing in the U.S. Open this year. That is very exciting. We should we should probably bonus final thought. The fact that uh, we're about two minutes and 20 seconds away from the Washington Capitals uh, raising the Stanley Cup. Uh, jinx, it. Finally... jinx it away, buddy. Keep, just <laughs> yeah, jinx was, it I, up. I was, I was going to say, you here. give me crap all the time about jinxing things. But, <laughs> no, then I realized, the... but then I realized you two guys want Vegas to win. So. <laughs> <laughs> Strategery. Um but I, I mean, this would this would be a pretty massive uh, a pretty massive result, obviously, and uh, a big deal for Ovechkin. Um, pretty sure that Vladimir Putin is not in the house tonight in uh, in Las Vegas, but you never know. Well, uh, you never what, know one way the other, one way or the other, his day with the cup is going to be phenomenal. Oh Jesus! Um, <laughs> Riding I, on a horse, shirtless. I wonder if with the cup. I wonder if this would give Ovi the. Uh, the the cachet to like actually play Putin in hockey because like, like Putin plays in these you know these these faux hockey games where he scores five goals and it's just it's ludicrous. Um, 
like they're clearly just letting him do whatever he wants. I'd love to see Ovi just like put a put a shoulder into his chest and see how far he can fling him. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up uh, for this week. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, to leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Westlaw Pirates. You can call our voicemail line, 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And give us an email, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern Athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.